All right, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of Christian Worldview. Uh, Dr. Tony Beam is here, and we appreciate you hanging around. You might have just uh, actually wandered in. Either one, hanging around, wandering in. We're glad to have you. Uh, if you want to continue to listen to this program, though, um, you, you're going to have to do something different coming Monday, April 3rd, because Friday uh, will be the last broadcast on 91.9 and 89.7. Uh, not because I'm being kicked off the show, but because the entire radio station is being kicked off the air, at least from a talk radio perspective. So there will be music, sweet music, uh, beginning at midnight on March 31st. Uh, that's a Beatles song going through my head all of a sudden. Anyway, um, so that's what you'll hear if you tune in on Monday. But if you will do as many other people are going to do, which you can go to Facebook and watch me live on Monday at 7.30, not 7 o'clock, 7.30. We're going to cut back 7.30 to 8.30 because we're not going to have commercials. We're not going to have breaks. We're not going to – it's just going to be me. Um, and an hour of me is a plenty a day. <laughs> In fact, it's probably – we may do a survey, and I find out that it might be cut back to 30 minutes. Who knows? But uh, we're going to start with about an hour. I'm uh, not going to put the clock to it completely, but between 50 and 60 minutes. And then uh, it'll be a podcast, so you'll be able to download the podcast. Wherever you get. If you're listening to the podcast now, you'll be able to listen to the podcast then. The difference being the new show is going to be called Truth and Politics and Culture with Dr. Tony Bean. So that's what you need to look for in the podcast. Um, and we need to if you, but if you go to the website, drtonybeam.com, drtonybeam.com. That's the main thing because everything you need is going to be right there. Now you will have to scroll a little bit, okay? In other words, if you just go to the website and you see me standing there with the logo next to me, and you just go, well, look at that. There's not anything there. No, just scroll up just a tad. Because right under that is where it says, listen live, and it has the time, 7.30 to 8.30. And if you click on that listen live button, it'll give you the streaming that's coming from YouTube. That's where it's coming from. You don't need to know that, you just, but you can listen to it. Um, but you can go to YouTube and go to Facebook and watch it live if you like to do that. Um, and then later, you can download the podcast. Podcast, podcast will be uploaded automatically. It goes through Anchor. Um, I think. Are you still using Anchor? I am. Yeah. Well, Spotify okay. bought it, so it's Spotify. Yeah, it's Spotify. That's right. Yeah. Spotify something. But um, it's the same thing. I mean, it's that's that's where you'll get your the podcast if you want to subscribe. And again, it's free. You don't have to pay for the podcast. You just have to sign up for it, and it will come to your smart device, and you can listen to it anytime you want to. One of the things you might want to do is put it on like at night when you're getting ready to go to bed. You know, calm. Where they they have this this these different sounds. I mean, the commercials are driving me crazy. I I, I don't know what. But have you seen the calm commercials? Yes. On TV. Yeah. I mean, one of them is like this is the sound that you really need for rest and sleep. <laughs> I mean, that's about what it sounds like. All right. So and I'm I'm going shots fired what? at me because I use a sound machine. Uh -oh. Sorry. And I yeah, but I use a similar sound to that. No. Yeah, I like white noise, like a TV that, like a TV that doesn't have what any. What a racist! Just white. <laughs> no you mean not not different types of? Do you have LGBTQ no noise? Noise of color. Have, okay. Yes. And some NOCs and noise of color. I like white noise or like a box fan. 
the but I'll take the white noise for a sound to go to sleep to. Believe me, me and me and the wife have had this discussion. <laughs> but that's I, I need. So it. does she have to listen to it? No, her the- her go to sleep thing is leave the TV on all night. Yeah, well, on episodes me. of Friends or The Office, and so yeah. the compromise is that Friends or The Office stays on the TV. Yeah. But on my side of the bed, I got my noisemaker on, so I really can't hear it. She gets her thing, I get my thing, we're fine. Oh, well, good. See, that's what yeah. marriage is all about. It's all about, about compromise. That's, that's good. That works well. Yeah. Well, yeah, I watch TV. I usually have the TV on for a while uh, when I get in the bed. Look, when I get in the bed, I'm usually so t- Reading is pretty much out of the question. I mean, I've, my mind has to be alert to read because I don't read like romance novels or you know, fiction, I'm reading stuff that I've got to think about and process. And I don't want to think and process when I lay down in the bed. I want to have my mind do something mindless. So usually that's Everybody Loves Raymond. I mean, I'll, oh. I'll, put, I'll put that okay. on. That's one of my, I, I discovered that show long after it was at, off the air. Um, and I just, I think it's hilarious. All right. Um, Gosh, we need something to talk about. I don't want to talk about this. I pull this. Up. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, we'll, I'll tell you about it well, because it's so outrageous. What? Go ahead. We're, are, oh, you were talking about Wall, the survey, Wall Street Journal thing. There's at least yeah, one let's more go thought. Back. Please, one let's more go thought back I had that. on that. Yeah. I I asked people on my the last episode of of my show to send me. You know, the show's had a nine year run on his radio talk. It's going to continue as a podcast. What have What have been the themes? What are the things I talk about often? And one of the, actually, two of the respondents on Twitter said it, it was what you just talked about with the Wall Street Journal poll, the atomization of humanity. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm an individualist, and I think being single into my mid-30s made me that, like almost almost unhealthy level of individualistic, where we, we need to lean on each other. That's a healthy thing. The Bowling Alone, I think, was one of the most important books of the last 20 years that showed how the the country stopped doing things together. That things like Little League is yeah. it's not participated in nearly as much as it used to be. Lions clubs, churches, obviously, because job transience is so is so much like it was. We used to work at one place forever, and now we just change jobs every three or four years, and so we don't have long abiding right. friendships. The mill villages were important. It gave you a yeah. neighborhood That's that you, community. you knew people around. And now uh, I think I've told you this one before. The ratio of square footage given to back porches versus front porches changed in the 90s, where we have tiny little front porches and gigantic back decks and attached garages so that we don't have to see our neighbors. We can just get into our our fortresses of homes. One of the things that we're going to have to do as believers is get back into the community. Yeah. Coach that, li- coach that little league team. Go do it. Well, Go. that's that's Tim Keller. I mean, Tim yes. Keller's uh, – that, that was – you know, he's now retired – uh, yeah. Of course, battling cancer. Uh, cancer. Um, so, it, it's. But that was his message. I was. Just, I've been reading his biography by uh, Hanson, and yeah, it's Colin just. A, it's a great. It's a great work. But but over and over and over, the way he reached New Yorkers was being a part of New York. Yes. And discovering what that meant, getting into the lives of people so that they were I, comfortable. I saw this at our for our church Saturday night Sunday nights. We rented, uh, it doesn't matter, we rented one of Greenville's parks and just came together for fellowship, played some games. And I saw at least three of our members talking with random people who just walked up and said, what's going on here? Well, we're a church. Like the, it, I have these conversations with people all the time. We're, we're lonely. 
We're a lonely, lonely country. Yeah. People want connection. And so for family, religion, and patriotism, we're going to have to create connections between humans one by one by one by one to rebuild the fabric. But let me let me say this on, on top of that is that in the South, um, we're still doing this to a large degree. Mm. I mean, it, it, you look at the rest of the country, not so much. But But like Monday night, okay, Monday was a long day, and I knew Tuesday was going to be even longer. And Denise told me, well, you know, tonight, um, you know, Ezra's playing in his flag football game. And I was like, okay, because going to watch Ezra play flag football means driving to Powdersville. Um, it's out past Wren High School. and there's but, but when we got there, I mean, I went because – I know how important this is. Yes. Okay? Yeah. And so when we got there, you know, I noticed I'm looking around and there's one, two, three, four fields that have people. They're playing sports. They're and it's kids and parents are on the sidelines talking to each other, having and that's exactly what happened when we walked up to watch the game. Now I got to see Ezra score two touchdowns yes. flag football. Nice. I mean, he's he's pretty pretty quick, pretty fast. So that was I mean, that was great and we celebrate that as a family. We went out to eat after, but we ran into other families that were at the yes. event when we went out to eat and and this this sense of community. When I got in the truck and started home, I thought if I had missed this, yes. I would have missed something that's incredibly important. Your phone and your feed are telling you everything's burning down. If you right. will go interact with other people, you'll find it's not as bad as they think it is. Right. And there, there are solutions to things to pursue in Columbia and D.C., but the core solution is right now in your neighborhood and yeah. the people with whom you work and interact. And the more that I pursue those things in Columbia and D.C., the more convinced I am that that's absolutely true. We cannot fix... What ails us through government processes? We cannot. That will not work. Now, we have to have the right environment yes. to be able to do these things. But if we think that it, it, it the, the fixing of our culture happens in the doing of those things, not in the environment that's created legally for us to do it. It seems like we fight tooth and nail for religious liberty and then we don't use it. Exactly. I, I am zealous for my religious liberty. I want my boys, my two nephews, to grow up in a, in a world freer and wealthier and more prosperous than I did. But to what end? Just to be prosperous? Just yeah. to have stuff? Just to have the liberty to have it? I, I want it to see the kingdom of God grow. So let's be zealous for our religious liberty and then go use it by loving our spouses well in front of other people so yes. it blows their minds. Yes. That we love and affirm our kids and other people's kids and we are the encouraging people, the non-gossips at work, so it blows people's minds. Yeah. You want to be distinct in this world and start, and start changing people? Be optimistic. Say affirming and positive things. Don't be so cynical like the rest of the world is. Say nice things about your husband or wife in public. Absolutely. You'll blow people's minds and yeah. you'll start changing. You'll start creating some kind of create uh, some. The word I'm looking for is curiosity about how you live in that live like that in this skeptical, cynical world. I I follow a very specific a very specific Jesus, the yeah. one of the Bible 
and he changes everything. Well, and we are ambassadors. Paul used that word. Yeah. And and when and when he says we are ambassadors, think about the meaning of that word. An ambassador is someone who is from another country. They live by the laws and the rules of the country that they are from. But they live in a world in which they are an ambassador, someone who represents the country that they are from. Yes. And that's why Paul used that imagery. And it's more true today maybe than ever before because we truly are aliens if we live this way. But it's still happening. I I, I want to, and we'll take a break. But I think it's so important to pick up on what you said about don't be cynical, don't be because I I struggle with that because of the nature of what I do every of day. Of course, yes. I mean it's it, it it you know I have to I have to get in the truck and decompress. You know, riding down to Columbia, I've got to replace the things that I've consumed with the things that I know to be true that are right and true because of being an ambassador. I kind of push this world out and bring in the presence of heaven, but remain in this world and want that so that that influence can be felt by others. Amen. And we have a real responsibility to that. I've told you many times that Andrew McCarthy is um, one of my one of my favorites in terms of writing. If I if I want to know what's happening in the legal world or even in the world of politics, I turn there first to his columns at National Review because he's brilliant and he gets it. He He's not on the extreme. He just tells you what's going on from a very informed perspective. So I was reading him uh, today, and the New York Post has a story out today that says that they have learned that there's going to be no indictment of former President Trump in Manhattan this week, and that the grand jury is hearing evidence presented by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. That is, let me back up and say, they're not hearing any more evidence. And so there's not an indictment coming this week. The grand jury is not scheduled to meet next week, and there actually isn't any more meetings on the on the calendar. So it appears at the moment that this whole thing is just going to melt away like a snowball in July. That there's and 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 here's he goes through the reasons that this is true. One of the reasons is that the law that he's trying to prosecute Trump for is mismanagement or misallocation of business records. Do you know the statute of limitations on that is 2 years? Yeah. Okay, it's too he can't prosecute for that, so he's got to elevate it to a campaign fund, the misusing of campaign funds. And then he's got another problem. Now, the statute of limitations on that is five years. So he's just in the window of being able to prosecute, but he's the state prosecutor. He's not, I mean, in, in, uh, the city, just Manhattan yeah. prosecutor. He's not the federal government. The only people that can prosecute election crime is the federal government. Yes. So he doesn't even have the jurisdiction to do this. So there, it's beginning, the, the, the whole reason this thing was brought or talked about is because of the pressure being put on Bragg. Alvin Bragg is a guy who doesn't want to prosecute real criminals. I mean, he doesn't, he, he doesn't want people to go to jail. He doesn't want violent criminals particularly to be uh, prosecuted in any meaningful way. And yet he's being pushed and pressured and bullied by the left to go after Trump over the Stormy Daniels deal. And 
there's nothing there. There's nothing for him to do. Every time he extends his hand to try to put his hands around it, his hands come back empty. So this is probably going to be one of those things that Trump got his 15 minutes of um, extra push because he, again, and, and if you're going to be Donald Trump, Donald Trump is the best Donald Trump that we could have. <laughs> In other words, if, if, if your whole purpose is going to be to win by outrage, to get followers because of the way that you incite them to rally to your side because you're the victim, there's nobody better at that than Donald Trump. And he used this coming out and announcing, I'm going to be arrested on Tuesday. Well, he was never going to be arrested. He made that up out of whole cloth. They, in fact, his lawyers had to come out and admit we had no indication whatsoever that an indictment was pending, let alone that he was going to be arrested. But he used it right before the rally in Waco to draw thousands of people out and to continue. He, he used it to fundraise. He's used in every way that you can use something like that. And now it appears all of this is going to disappear. Now, that doesn't mean that Donald Trump's legal troubles are over. In fact, there are far more serious legal questions that are being investigated. The documents. And it's not going to be the documents themselves that end up causing him the most problem. The most problem is going to be that what he said about the documents, that he lied about them multiple times, is, is the accusation. And that his lawyers are caught up in that as well, that they misrepresented uh, information that they knew about the documents to federal authorities. And so that's going to come into play. Then you've got the whole mess down in Georgia. Is he going to be indicted for any kind of crime in Georgia? Uh, we don't know. The, feder the grand jury down there, you know, we had a little bit of publicity when we had that um, airhead that, oh, I'm sorry, I said I wasn't going to use terms like that anymore. This this person on the grand jury who went out and made the the talk show uh, circuit. rounds circuit and was talking about some of the things that they talked about in the grand jury, which finally they told her, look, knock it off because this is going to undermine any case that we might bring against Trump. You may be taking the whole thing down because grand jury deliberations and discussions are private. You can't make those public. You undermine the case. So we don't know what's going to come out of that. So, And then, of course, there's a special prosecutor that's not only looking into documents, but also we find out yesterday, just to keep you up to date, that Vice President, former Vice President Mike Pence is going to have to testify um, in, in the case that is being brought to see if Donald Trump was guilty of inciting an insurrection, even though no one associated with the Capitol riots on January 6th have been charged with an insurrection, because that the bar for that is so high that there's no way that the government is going to be able to charge anybody with insurrection coming out of January 6th. They've been charged with a whole bunch of other stuff. But even the Proud Boys that are going to go to jail uh, for a while were not charged with insurrection. So, you, you know, what is going to come of all this? That's the big question. And I'd love to get your have you been following it? Do you only only vaguely? Yeah, uh, I know that's I, that's kind of me. The 
I actually did not know what you just said. I, I was still expecting some kind of indictment, so I shouldn't expect that anymore. I don't think so. The New York Post is, I mean, they're confident enough that they've come out and said it's never going to happen. That's what their sources are telling them. Wow. That Bragg is backing off again. You know, he's already done this one time. Yeah. And, and then he backed off because this, he had nothing. This is one of the ways... <laughs> Oh, man, the power that this guy accumulated to himself uh, over people's minds. I know. Because he became a superhero to some right. and a supervillain to others, he gets responded to— And a to, super saint to some people. Yes, a superhero, is, super saint, supervillain, which I, I want everyone just to go, hey, guys, he's just a guy, just a dude. He's not super. He's not a supervillain. He doesn't have a dastardly plan. He doesn't have a cape either. He's just, just a dude. And so because he gets responded to as a supervillain, people like Bragg think they can respond to him in super ways, right. above the law, super exceeding, That's exceeding right. the law. The, I don't know the case about the classified documents, and I think the Georgia thing, there's just not enough there the, of, of evidence to uh, yeah, suggest the, meddling. The, the, now, the, the insur- insurrection or whatever charges they come up with associated with January 6th, I think if if when Pence testifies and some of these others testify, Mark Meadows is is having to testify. I mean, depending on what Trump said and when he said it, um, there's a possibility. I think of all the things that might hurt him uh, inevitably, that could be the biggest one because there there were th- there were things said and done during that time period uh, on January six that I think that, that could be attributed to the president as undermining national security or, or whatever. Wow. So now whether they can actually prove it, see the bar is, the, the, w- when you walk into court, you've, you've got to have evidence. You can't have a motion. I mean, you can, but you can't, you can't convict anybody off of that. You've got to have a, a, the bona fides. You've got to have a bill of particulars. And it just, all of this is being generated around Trump most of it is smoke and mirrors. Is there enough there to actually indict him? Um, I don't know. Well, indictments are fairly easy. Convictions are very hard. Yeah. Right. And indi- well, just to bring charges, I think it used to have a bare majority of a grand jury. You you do, but but you have to be able to not get laughed out of. If you're a prosecutor, and your job is to bring charges, yeah. you want to be relatively sure that you've got a good chance of winning the case. Because if you don't, sure. then you look like a it's goofball. You know, that's, I'll, all I, I am not enough of a, a legal expert to make uh, any kind of prediction on what is to befall the former president of the United States. I just know anytime he's attacked, his folks rally to him. Well, it just makes him more powerful. But here's the, here's the dichotomy. And this is, this is really, you know, and, and Ben Shapiro has pointed this out, I think, better than anybody else, because he says when it comes down to President Trump running for president in 2024, you have to decide whether you want to follow your head or your heart. Hmm. Because he, it, it, what happens is everybody by, with a, by a heart move moves toward him when he's prosecuted. In other words, if he is made into, you know, they come after him. They've been kind of coming after him for years. And once he's presented as a victim again of, of you know, whatever forces you want to name of trying to take him down, his base rises. Right. But in a correlation, as his base rises, his support from the general public falls. Yes. So, you know, do, do you want a popular guy who's going to walk away with the Republican nomination 
who might lose again to Joe Biden because the the public is just done with him. I mean, they are. I am. And, I mean, a lot of people are. I, I, I and and we need to acknowledge that if you want to. All this stuff we've been talking about from the Wall Street Journal, I mean, if if we want a government environment, a created environment, again, the government can't make these things happen. They can only set the parameters and, and make the atmosphere which we live in to try to make these things happen. And if you want that, it's going to take people in, mostly in the Republican Party because the Republican Party is the only political party that cares about these things anymore. And so if you you know you we can't have uh, just an emotional high and we're going to get even and we're going to get you attitude toward a candidate and try to push him into the nomination if he doesn't have a really good chance of winning. Yes. You have to win elections to wield power and influence. And we're, I mean, I think there's a danger of us losing again if Trump becomes the nominee. And right now, if if I if somebody put a gun to my head and said, you've got to predict uh, today what's going to happen, I'd have to say Trump's going to be the nominee for 2024. Maybe I do. As attention accumulates to the former president of the United States, it becomes inevitable that he be the nominee. Yes. Which I, I would be disappointed in. I want to pitch to you what I think the DeSantis pitch should be, assuming he announces, and I think he will, after the Florida state yeah. legislative session ends you're, in May. You're right. He's okay. going to be governor. He's going to, yeah. I think that's the criticism he's trying to avoid is you're not doing your job as governor. He's going to finish his governor legislative session and then announce. I think you come out full barrels with... He shut down your schools. He handed the country over to Dr. Fauci and to, and to Deborah Burks. Did your, your small business was destroyed. Trump did that. Your, your students had their mental health affected. Their education was affected. Trump did that. He handed the country over to the left during a pandemic and let them trample all over you. And I won't do that. I was the guy that kept Florida open. I was the guy that fought back against vaccine mandates. This, we, we love, I mean, this is not me now talking. This is DeSantis talking, saying, we love the good things the president gave us, but when crunch time came, he crumbled underneath the weight of the left and gave them the country. Yeah. That's my pitch. Well, uh, that may be, I, I don't think DeSantis will go that hard against Trump. I don't either. Because he's got to, he's, part of his strategy is going to have to to be to bring the Trump disillusioned yep. over to him. That's right. And he will not do that if he goes full full on attack. And and it's going to be a balancing act. He's got to attack enough to to convince people that it's time to move on and at the same time not attack so much that he pushes people into Trump's lap. Oh. Trump has set up this incredible political it's, it is incredible admittedly it, it, it is <laughs> i may resent it but it's crazy yeah. no no incredible. It's, it, it's amazing because the more it, it the more people come after him the more popular he becomes and so and and now he's out there saying openly if you support desantis you are blackballed politically from me forever yeah. and people are afraid of that mm-hmm. i mean there are people that I, I guarantee you as desantis begins to build a state-by-state um, organization to get his message out and to get him in the states. He's he, people are going to think twice 
before they join his team. Yeah. Because they know that that means they're coming, and if Trump gets the nomination, they're toast. Right. They want I those mean, jobs. They want that's positions right. in an it, administration. That's right. So it's going to be, you know, it, it's going to be dicey, and it's going to be interesting. I'm with you. I Look, um, all due respect to, again, the good things that Donald Trump allowed to happen while he was president. I'm, I'm not even going to say he made them happen. I think he surrounded himself with good people right. who gave him good advice that was grounded in deep conservative principles. Yeah. And for the most part, he did those things. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. But I, I just don't think he should be the nominee again. Now, if he is, I'll vote for him. I'm not going to not vote for him. I did that once. I didn't vote for him in 2016 because I didn't believe him. I didn't think he would govern as a conservative. He governed pretty much as a conservative, except for the exceptions that you made. The pandemic really, and and I'm going to give him a little bit more of a pass maybe than, than you do here, simply because nobody knew. It, it, knowing now, we look back and we say all of that was a bad decision. There's no way that we could have known that at the time that it was being made. Now, if we could have, if if more information had been allowed to come out, we might have known that this was the bad a bad path to take. You know, his original thing was two weeks to stop the spread. Yeah, Fifteen days to slow the 15 spread. Fifteen days to yeah. slow. We're going to slow the spread, yeah. and then we're going to go back to normal. Well, that crumbled. Mm-hmm. If it had been 15 days, and everybody goes back, then maybe. Um, that, that we would come out a lot better yeah. through the p- pandemic. But that's where he started allowing all the Fauci's and the Burks and the everybody else to influence him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he started listening to them, and that was a mistake. I don't know that we knew. I mean, it, we, we when the pandemic first started, we didn't know how many people were going to die or how many people were going to be affected. We thought that it was going to be the older uh, that was going to be most affected and therefore needed the most protection. And young, healthy people probably were not going to be as affected. But but nobody knew that for sure. I, I, I go back. I wish I'd written the guy's name down, but he was from England, uh, Great Britain, when he said, he said, what we're doing is we're building a parachute on the way to the ground. He said, that's what dealing with this pandemic is like. We've got to try to figure out what the best path is so that we can have a gentle landing. Yeah. But we're doing it while we're falling, and that makes it very difficult. One more pitch. Okay. This one I'm giving you second because I think it is the weaker of the two. Okay, I'm going to put the pitch clock on because you're doing a pitch. Uh, Oh, yeah, the MLB now has a pitch clock. Opening day is tomorrow. Um, The... There's a, a core group of people that are Trump people who just don't believe election results. They think all the le- elections are fake. Right, right. I, I, I have no interest in trying to win them over. I, I don't think they're winnable. But for the folks who have a general, a general understanding that election results are mostly trustworthy, I like the DeSantis pitch to be, I won an election by 30,000 votes, and then I won re-election by 5 million. In a time that... Red Wave should have materialized, immaterialized in one place. We swept a swing state of Florida while Trump's candidates lost everywhere. Everywhere he put someone up, they lost in in a red state like Georgia that Brian Kemp won, but his other candidate lost. Up in Wisconsin, where his candidate for governor lost, the Republican Ron Johnson won. Trump's a loser. He loses things. I'm a winner. 
I get I, I accomplish things. What did Trump give you? A couple of judges and a tax cut? Here's everything I'm doing in Florida. I win, he loses. Yeah. Well, and they're going to come back and say, yeah, but there were two, 300 and something candidates on the ballot and Trump won 200 and something. And, and again, <laughs> that doesn't matter because most of those candidates, but, you, but it's hard to explain this to people. It, it is. But you have to say to them, most of those candidates were going to win anyway. Well, Jeff Duncan's the ones. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Duncan. Duncan got, yeah, he didn't have an opponent, so he beat no one. Timmons. Trump. Trump gets credit for that. Timmons got Trump's endorsement. Okay. Timmons didn't have an opponent either. Of course. So, the, so all you lost were the competitive races. You right. lost one hundred percent of your competitive races. Right. Well, the only one he did endorse uh, in Ohio. He, J.D. Vance. But J.D. Vance, see, here's the thing, and I've heard this argument. It makes sense. J.D. Vance was winning by like 18 points. Trump came in, and he won by eight. Eight. So the question is, you know, did he help him? Perfect analogy for this. It's like picking Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Ohio State every weekend and telling yourself, at the end of the season, you got like a 99% (laughs) rate of picks. Well, of course you did. You only picked those four teams. So what have you learned in the years of doing radio, um, I, I you know, I'm not. I, I don't want to sit here and make it sound like I created Corey Truax. Well, because no, 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 not no. There. Now I know, but I, I don't. No, that's not true. All I could do for anybody, Hannah, you, uh, Josh, Kimbrel, anybody, is to say, "Here's opportunity." And then you had to make a decision about what you were going to do about it. And that's where the real genius lies in that, you know, you see that and you do something that that is excellent that allows you to build up following. So I I guess what 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 is the most important thing to you about it? And what have you learned about since you've been doing radio? Because you do a lot of things like me. Yeah, uh, I think the number one thing was rhetoric is never effective as you think it is if your rhetoric does not is not uh, peppered with care and empathy. Yeah. I was mean, man. When I started doing this, uh, Obama was the president, and everyone loved that I was mean. And so something fed into my ego. Yeah. It fed into my pride that people love me, when, and I get so much reaction, and I get so much affirmation when I'm acerbic and I'm just nasty. Yeah. And then I actually needed to win people over. I wanted to win people to my side in 2016. And I tried my nasty. I was so mean. And all I did was repel people. And just, lo- they were dropping like flies. 3,000 almost listeners a week became less than 1,000 for, for quite a while. And they they just abandoned. I mean, you did it, man. You did it a whole NPR show. You're on This American Life. Talk about some of this, man. It's one of the coolest things you got to do yeah, in these last cool. two decades. So I think the number one thing was apparently to win someone, you will never anger them into agreeing with you. You will never shame them into agreeing with you. You got to treat everybody with a level of respect and empathy. Even when you think their ideas are wrong, recognizing them, they're concerned about something. There's there's something right. that there that there's a concern for, and you need to have the humility, Corey. It's something I struggle with mightily. Humility. You're going to have to have the humility to shut up and listen. Well, um, uh, but surprisingly enough, it, you know, I, I I found the opposite to be true. In that, in my mean stage, 
I had the biggest audience. Me too. I mean, I, you know, I, I, when I was willing to be just an attacker, mm-hmm. that drew a lot of people. Yes. And I, I got convicted over that because I realized that that was that was not Christ-like. I was, and and it and it took Trump to bring that to my me too my mind. I had to, you know, I, I and and for him for that I'm I'm always going to be grateful um, that he actually allowed me to see that I was elevating things political over things eternal. And yep. th- that had to do with morality. The other thing I wrote down, as soon as you asked that question, I wrote down t- two words. One was anger, or, or two phrases. One was anger wins no one. And two was idolatry. The Lord used these microphones to work out in me a national idolatry. You know, this is, yeah. for better or worse, uh, Facebook memories will show me stuff I said for the last 17 years I've been on Facebook. Yeah, And sometimes I look back on it and go, you, you, you naive, idolatrous 24-year-old who really thought that the kingdom of God rose and fall with the outcome of elections in America? Right. You really had all of your hope bound up in this flag, in this anthem, in that election result. Brother, I look back on me on November the 7th, 2012, after Mitt Romney loses that election, and I was hopeless. The I. The day after Trump won or Biden won or whoever wins next, it will never affect me emotionally. Again, it will never get me. My hope is not here. And I had to work that out live on the air so that I look back now at a previous version of myself. Actually, in this seat, November, uh, February 5th, 2008, when you brought me in here to talk about Super Tuesday, when right. Mike Huckabee and Fred Thompson and, yeah. and John McCain were duking it out on Super Tuesday because I knew the map, my heart was bound to those things. Yeah. And I look back on that guy and feel bad for him because yeah. he didn't know the freedom that comes in recognizing I'm from another kingdom. You already talked about being an ambassador. I'm an exile here, and I love this place. This is the coolest, coolest national idea God ever had was the United States of America. This place is awesome. It is. And I want to work for the welfare of the city where God placed me, Jeremiah 29. Yeah. But those well, are my two. That, yeah, that's and and I'm <laughs> I'm thankful to hear that because I went through the same transformation, <laughs> and yeah. I'd been doing it a lot longer. Yes, and it took me a lot longer to come to that conclusion, uh, which I, that makes me feel bad. I should have been I should have been more mature about this, but I I just had to face the reality. Trump Trump made me when I did that This American Life. Yes, I thought that I was expressing where most people would be and never realized that what I was saying was going to alienate a good number of people that had been listening to me for a long time. Mm. Um, and, and so I had to deal with that. But I realized that I was just no longer willing to compromise what really is true and right according to God's Word in order to achieve a political gain that is temporary and fleeting at best. Yeah, the idea of—maybe I mean, it's because I am— I'm almost, guys, I'll be 37 in two days. I'll, I'll be 40 before yeah. we know it. Yeah. But maybe my relative youth and maybe my eschatology, because I'm, I'm not a premillennial rapture kind of guy, I, I think about the future differently. And so I see short-term losses not as these gigantic events. I, I'll give you the final illustration. My final illustration on his radio talk. I love that the Christians in the Middle Ages would set up projects that would take 800 years. 
Yeah. It's going to take 800 years to build this church or this cathedral we're going to build. Therefore, the designer will never see its end. The people milling the stone will never see the final project for hundreds of years because we know there is, there's going to be 800 years from now. We trust in the Lord. We, things aren't going to fall apart. We're going to finish this project, and so I'm going to do my part of it. And so part of my project is certainly the church, but the Lord has placed me here, and the American project is good too. And I am believing that I can do this small part with hope for this time because the Lord's going to do the work in the end. Well, the people that I've been able to influence or affect for the sake of the gospel in the right direction is my legacy. Amen. My family, when I look at this picture on Facebook, <laughs> I mean on my, on my computer, I think to myself, this is the best thing that I will ever do in life. Amen. Yeah. I've poured myself into these people yeah. who are going to far uh, outlive me, I pray. Yes. And they're going to pass things that I taught them on to these guys, my grandchildren's generation. Amen. And on and on. Um, that's what it's important. Let me say in these 15 seconds, Gary Miller, you're the man. Thank you for all these years. It was a blast. Thank you very deeply. Genuinely, thanks for what you did. I love you like my own. That's out for me. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with Hannah Miller. And as we get closer, uh, the emotions are going to be rising, so just be prepared. Uh, we'll see you in the morning at 7 o'clock.